Like a chrysalis, we're emerging from the economy of the Industrial Revolution. An economy confined to and limited by the Earth's physical resources into the economy in mind, in which there are no bounds on human imagination, and the freedom to create is the most precious natural resource. Welcome to the Soul of Enterprise, Business, and the Knowledge Economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. I'm Ron Baker, along with my good friend and Barris SAGE Institute colleague, Ed Kless. And on today's show, folks, for the second time, we are interviewing pricing expert Mark Stiving. Hey, Ed, how's it going? Good. Another recidivist, Ron. Yeah, we got to get that. We got to work on that gold jacket, you know. For yeah. The, what is it? For the, the five time guess? Yeah. 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 Well. <laughs> That'll be fun. Well, let me read Mark's bio like he needs an introduction to our audience, but let me let me try and do him justice. Mark Stiving helps companies discover how buyers perceive value and how to price offerings to capture more of the value they create. For over 25 years, he has studied, led, and coached businesses through the lens of pricing, which is a radically different approach from other business experts. He started and sold three companies, improving his championship pricing skills in each one. And his latest book is Win, Keep, Grow, How to Price, Package, and Manage Subscriptions, which, of course, we are all over. And looks like it was published July 6th on Kindle, but it's coming out in paperback, I think, October 5th. At least that's what Amazon says. I'll ask him about it. Uh, You can learn more about Mark at impactpricing.com. Mark Stiving, welcome back to the soul of enterprise. Hey, Ron, it is absolutely great to be here. And it's fun to watch you read that. <laughs> That's your bio. You probably wrote it. Uh, is that right? The Kindle version is out, but the paperback is due out October 5th. Is that correct? That is a true statement. And I have no good explanation for why that's a true mm. statement. Yeah, no, 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 that makes sense. Sometimes Kindle drops sooner. It, it well, was actually the publisher decision. Okay. Well, well, first off, Mark, congratulations on the book and for keeping it at 160 pages, something I've never been able to do. So I, I really think that's, uh, that deserves applause. Thank you. I have a very hard time being verbose. <laughs> I don't. And that's, that's my problem. Uh, you wrote in the introduction to Win, Keep, Grow, the subscription business model is taking the world by storm. I started to think of it as in terms of a renaissance, or I know, Mark, you're in Reno, so I'll say a gold rush. So is that your motivation for writing this book now? Okay, so I have to give you two huge kudos for the motivation for writing this book now. Uh, So what I did, uh, I left my previous role. I was teaching for Pragmatic Institute. And uh, when I left, I had sold them a course on pricing. And I had to do something that was non-competitive. And I was out looking for what am I going to do next? What am I going to talk about? And I listened to a Soul of Enterprise episode where you guys are just raving about this new thing called subscriptions. And I had always taught my students, I would get the question, well, how is this different for subscriptions? And my answer was almost always, well, it's the same thing. It's still about how is it that buyers value your products and nothing is really different. But, um, but, But once I started studying subscriptions, I realized, oh my gosh, although that was a true statement, the nuances behind subscriptions are amazing. And that's really what this book was all about is it was me documenting 
all of the aha moments I had while I was studying this topic. Yeah, and there's a lot of them. You know, one aspect we talk a lot about, and I just wanted to get your take on this before we really dive into some detail, is one thing it's taught Ed and me is, is the inadequacy of our language, of the vocabulary needed to explain this business model. Because there's a lot going on here. There's psychological aspects, there's choice architecture, there's frictionless experience. You know, there's all these things that go into this model that do make it different. And we don't have the vocabulary for it. Did you struggle for words when you were writing the book? I don't recall struggling for words as much as, in my mind, it was about how do you take all of these new concepts and put them into some uh, foundation or formula that says, here's how we make sense of all this. I'm positive there are better words. And oftentimes I took words the industry uses and said, I don't like that word. I'm going to use a different word. Uh, for example, the title of the book, uh, you often hear the words acquisition, retention, and expansion, right? And I call those consultantees and I change them into win, keep, and grow because we have to win customers, keep customers, grow customers. Right. You know, you define a subscription as a subscription is a periodic payment in exchange for recurring benefits of a product or service. Mark, that word recurring is doing some heavy lifting, isn't it? Huge, huge. And I think that's the single biggest key. As I listen to uh, you, you and Ed talk about subscriptions really often, I think the key to subscriptions is what is the benefit that we're delivering to our customers over and over and over again? What's the benefit they're expecting to get over and over and over again? And if there is no recurring benefit, then it doesn't make sense to have a subscription. But if there is going to be a recurring benefit, then is there a way that we can structure it such that we can get this, this periodic payment and, and build this relationship, which you guys talk about all the time? Right. And, and really, I mean, the innovation is baked in there. You know, Reed, Reed Holden, who you know from Professional Pricing Society, has got that great line, you innovate for growth, but you price for profit. And I'm just thinking innovation, convenience, peace of mind, all of that is in this thing as well. It's not just a transactional relationship. Oh, that's absolutely right. Uh, it has to be one of my favorite ahas of all, of all of the subscription studying was the fact that in the past, a traditional business never really cared if you use their product. Um, and in subscription, we have to care. So I know you guys talk about Porsche a lot and I write about Porsche in the book as well. So let's talk briefly about Porsche. Do you think Porsche cares if you buy a Porsche, put it in the garage and never ever drive it? <laughs> no, they don't. But if you subscribe to a Porsche, they care a lot if you're driving it. Because if you just park it in the garage and you never take it out, then you're not going to subscribe next month or the month after. And, and that's a revenue stream we lose. Therefore, when we get to subscriptions, suddenly we have to care, are our customers using our product? Are they getting value out of our product? We have this new department that came around in, um, in software companies called customer success. And customer success is different than customer service. Customer success is, I need to make sure my users are being successful, getting value from my product. And when they're getting value from my product, this periodic benefit or periodic value, then I know they're going to keep paying me. And in fact, maybe they'll even upgrade to a higher level package or pay me more. 
right? You know, you just you just scratch the scab on the Porsche thing because they do. I would think they do want you out there driving, and now they're limiting the miles, which I think <laughs> right. is absolutely insane decision in this in this model. But you know, you use this concept of a three bucket model, win, keep, grow, and you say it should drive how you invest uh, or how you choose to invest your resources. But Mark, how does that differ from a regular company or even a value ba uh, pricing based company? I mean, aren't those the goals of any business? Win, keep, grow, customers? Um, maybe, maybe not. I think in a traditional business, and, and let's go back to Porsche just because it's easy, right? I, if I'm Porsche, I care about selling you a car. And, and I actually don't have to worry about keeping you as a customer because I don't, you know, you're not going to be around to buy another car for another five years or 10 years, something like that. So keeping customers is not as important to me. And then growing customers, that's the last thing I'm worried about is how do I get more money out of you than you gave me for the last car? So these new revenue buckets of keep and grow are things that, uh, at least I'll put it this way, when I was in traditional businesses where we sold products, I rarely thought hard about keeping customers and I don't think I ever thought about growing customers. And, mm -hmm. and so I, I know we use these words land and expand often and it's a strategic customer, but I think those are words we use to win a customer and we convince executives so that we can win the customer, but nobody ever really goes back and says, how do we grow the customer? Right. I, I think this kind of goes back to that transactional versus relational mindset mindset we, companies just to a large extent they pay lip service to the customer relationship don't they oh absolutely right and uh, and in subscription you can't just pay lip service because if people aren't using and getting value from your product they're going to stop paying you money and and it's probably more expensive to acquire the customer than the amount of money that you will have made in the few months of sales you actually got Right. You know, you talk about market segmentation in the book and use some great examples like Netflix and Zoom. But the one that really caught my eye was the way that LinkedIn does it. Um, and, you know, we know you market segment because different segments have different perceptions of value and willingness to pay. And LinkedIn classifies their customers into four categories, the job seekers, the professionals, the salespeople and the recruiters. And you explain that you did a really nice job on that. But I just wanted to ask you, there's a trade-off here, isn't there? We can get so complex with this that we lose transparency and a sense of fairness from the customer's perspective. Although I think LinkedIn got it right, but we can't push this segmentation too far, can we? Okay, there's a couple different things that are going on. And this doesn't really have to do with subscriptions. This is just segmentation. And in the world of segmentation, every time we... We segment our customers, we segment our pricing, we do a new price segmentation technique. We complicate both our world and our buyer's worlds. And so there's a, there is a happy medium there. What's the right answer for how far we're gonna go? And the other piece to this that you brought up is the ethics or uh, morality of price segmentation. How is it, that, is it fair that I charge one customer a different price than I charge another customer? And that's a, that's a hard battle. Everybody gets to sit on whatever side of that they want. The side that I usually sit on is, A, we see it all the time, and B, do your buyers accept it? So can we structure price segmentation in a way that our marketplace sees it as fair 
and some people may not see it as fair, but if most people do and, and, and we're doing well in our sales, then it's probably okay. Right. You know, the numbers, you cited some study that kind of monitor surveyed LinkedIn customers and they gave willingness to pay at those various four levels, $22, 49, 64, and 103, which was the recruiters, the highest willingness to pay. Was that monthly? I didn't, I couldn't get that from. Yeah, those are monthly bills. Those are those monthly are payments. Monthly payments they're willing to pay. Okay. So that, that was really interesting. Well, and it seems like, you know, obviously, you know, as a person, whether or not you're a job seeker or a professional, um, and, and so you easily can slide into a particular segment. We, I, I noticed with like direct primary care doctors, their segmentation is based on age, which is something you don't have a choice over. You're just in one of these age categories and they use that kind of as a proxy for health and, and all of that. Uh, what's your take on that using a tier where the customer doesn't have a choice. They're just kind of put into one category. Yeah, I think that's totally fine. Uh, typically, we want to do price segmentation based on willingness to pay. Those direct primary care uh, physicians are doing it more on their expected cost of serving a customer as opposed to their willingness to pay. So from that perspective, I'm not a huge fan of what they do. But we often see uh, regions, right? So I'm going to charge Asia a different price than I charge in the U.S., and usually it's a lower price in Asia. Well, you don't get to choose. Well, I guess maybe you do get to choose where you do your business, but, but you don't really get to choose where you live. And yet we charge different prices based on that. And it really has to do with willingness to pay, or it should. Right. Well, Mark, I got lots more questions for you, but unfortunately we're up against our break. And folks, I'd like to remind you, if you want to contact Ed or me, send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. We'll post full show notes at thesoulofenterprise.com with our interview with Mark and where you can find him and his work. And also, I'd like to remind you to become a Patreon member. And if you do, you'll get a shout out, much like our Patreon member, Geraldine Carter, for her website, she, she thinks bigcoaching.com and her podcast, which is Smart Strategy for CPA Podcast. And now we want to hear from our sponsors. sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever read a book that changed your life? I sure have. Have you ever listened to an advertisement for a book so many times that you question the existence of God? Me too. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. I recorded the advertisement for Ron and Ed's book, The Soul of Enterprise Dialogues on Blah 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 Whatever, and four years later, we're all tired of it, especially me. But thankfully, there's a solution. For just $10 a month, you never have to hear my voice again. For a commercial-free version of The Soul of Enterprise, go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe now. 
We don't follow. We lead. Join us. The Voice America Influencers Channel. tuned into the soul of enterprise with ron baker and ed class to find out more about our show visit us on the web at the soul of you can also chat with us on twitter using hashtag ask tsoe now back to the soul of enterprise and we are talking today with mark stiving who is the author of the new book win keep grow how to price and package to accelerate your subscription business that is already out in Kindle and due out in October in paperback. And Mark, I wanted to ask you a little bit about the section of your book called Why Subscribe? And you, you in, in, my, in my opinion, this is one place where you bury the lead, meaning the naysayer that or the pushback that Ron and I always get, you put at the end of this chapter. So I'm going to start off with it. Why should I subscribe? I'm going to pay more over time. Why should I do that? So you're talking about the subscriber. Why would mm-hmm. I subscribe to something instead of um, buying it? Yeah. Out? Yep, exactly. So in the world of software, which I would say most subscription is software today, at least that's driving this, this big renaissance that we're having. Uh, in the world of software, the number one reason is that the software continues to upgrade, right? That continues to get better and better and better. The software that I'm going to use tomorrow is probably better than what I'm going to use today. And if I have a a subscription with a company, then I'm just going to keep getting the best of what's available. And that makes a lot of sense. Now, the time that doesn't make sense is if the software doesn't change or everything I have is, is everything I need is already there. And I like to use the example of Microsoft Word, right? I think I could survive fine on the 1997 version of Microsoft Word because I don't think I use any features that weren't there in 97. Uh, And so, yeah, I'm paying them a ridiculous amount of money for something I don't need to be upgraded, but other things, yeah, absolutely. I'm, I'm getting the, the service and the future growth of the product. And one of the things that you point out, and I'd like to to dig a little bit deeper with you on this is that in business to business customers who are subscribing can more easily calculate ROI. Why do you say that? Okay, I'm talking to a couple of accountants, so I'm in deep trouble here. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not an accountant. I'm not an accountant, so you're, you're fine. <laughs> so, so in my perception of the accounting world, uh, when you buy a piece of capital equipment or you spend multiple millions of dollars on, on some implementation of a huge software package, now I've got to amortize this over X number of years, and am I actually getting value out of it? And you know, was it worth that huge expense? But what if I could spend a little bit in the first month and see if it works and see how much it affects my business? And pretty much anything in business, if you've delivered a benefit to a company, you can find a way to turn that into a dollar value. This has a lot to do with value conversations, which you guys talk a lot about here as well. As long as I can turn a benefit into a dollar value, I can look at how much money did I make what did it cost me? Now I know the ROI on a monthly basis for this subscription. So is it worth it for me to keep subscribing or not keep subscribing? That's why I think that way. 
So are, are you finding that in the, in the, the folks that you might be coaching through this, are there value conversations turning toward the, the stating that value in terms of a monthly number? Because in the past, the conversations that I usually had, most people thought of it in terms of years. So are you seeing people re, reset that value conversation in terms of that, that monthly uh, conversation? Um, so I think what I see most is companies are doing the time frame based on what they're trying to bill for, right? So if I'm going to bill by the month, then I'm going to find a value by the month. If I'm going to bill by the year or get a year contract, then I'm going to try to get a value for the year. What we're trying to do is match the return the customer expects or believes to whatever the payment structure is that we're, we're putting together. And let me ask you about that. Do you, do you find that it's, I mean, there's, there's clearly companies that are looking to do that annual contract and even sometimes offer three or four multiple year contracts as part of a subscription. But to me, that defeats the purpose of subscription because one of the, I think, the big benefits is to be, as Ann Jenser puts it, or I'm, I'm sorry, Robbie Kelman-Baxter, I want it to be easy to cancel. It should be easy out too. that frictionless piece. So thoughts on that? Yeah, I, I agree completely. What I coach almost everybody I talk to is you need to have a monthly subscription. And what a monthly subscription does is it says to my customer, I'm confident in my product. I believe in it. I believe that you're going to subscribe and you're going to keep paying me month after month after month because I'm going to deliver you a ton of value. And by the way, it's inexpensive for you to try. You can go try it, see if it works, see if you like it. But then after you've used it for a few months and you want a discount or you're willing to make a commitment, I'm also totally okay with a one or a three-year contract at that point in time. So there's nothing wrong with a client um, offering both monthly and the one-year subscription or three-year. I'm not overly comfortable with people who only do the annual because it takes away a lot of the big benefit you get out of subscription. And a big chunk of that big benefit is it's really easy to go try the product. It's really easy to jump in and jump out if it works for me, great. And if it doesn't, then I'm gone. That would be interesting strategy to try is to say that we were insistent that at, at first we do a monthly subscription and only after X period will we offer you then more uh, a more flexible or an annual uh, contract. Yeah, I'm not sure what the value is of the insistent part. Uh, I'm totally okay if somebody wants to buy initially from me with a one-year contract. The real key was that I offered them monthly so that they could choose to get in easily. If they already trust me, love me, want to buy my product because their best friend said it's the best thing ever, great. Sign up for a year. I'm totally okay with that. Yeah, my only thought would be is, is that we, we want to insist that we weed out people who are not going to be happy customers. And I'd rather them, them come out sooner rather than later and, and maybe be, be insistent on that. Uh, so another thing that, that you state in this, the why subscription is that, that subscriptions provide flexibility to grow. Unpack that a little bit. Oh, I think there's, I'm trying to decide, are you guys going to go through value levers with me a little bit later? Because of, this is really important. That, yeah. So let's, let's go. In fact, that was the next question. So go ahead and talk value levers then. Yeah. So there are three big value levers that we as subscription companies have to play with and pull on in order to, to um, determine how much value we're delivering to individual buyers or customers. Those three value levers happen to be what market segment are we going to go after? And everybody gives lip service to market segment, but I got to tell you, it's way under um, utilized. The second one is uh, packaging. You've got a whole bunch of different features. You've got to decide which features do we put into which packages and think of that as good, better, best packages plus options tends to be the best way to do this. 
And we could talk about why, and that's totally okay. But we got to package our features into options or packages. And then the third of the three value levers is your pricing metric. What are you going to choose to charge for? And um, in software, we charge for many different things. We charge for clicks or gigabytes or, you know, downloads or there's, there's so much you could possibly charge for. And it's a hard decision. Every one of those three value levers are decisions that companies have to make. Uh, even if you don't make it intentionally, you made it by default someplace along the line. So now if we jump back to flexibility, why is this more flexible? Well, it's more flexible because I could buy into a good package for my market segment. And then as my company grows or as my desire, as I learn more about your product, I say, wow, I'd really like to be able to do that. Oh, that's in the better package. We'll upgrade you to this next package level. Or my company starts to grow and I'm using more of the product. Oh, excellent. We've got this usage metric and now you're growing your usage with us. And you know, we'll just charge you a little bit more, but that's totally okay because you're getting more value for the product. So the product itself is very, very flexible to our marketplace. All right. So now I want to, to you to talk a little bit about more about pricing metrics. And you have this, this great uh, sentence that you set a structure for. Uh, our customers are of our, love our product. Talk, first of all, explain that. Explain what it is and then talk about why you think that's such a powerful uh, item. Yes. Uh, so a pricing metric is what do we charge for? Uh, so in physical goods, we've always charged for the physical good. Uh, we, McDonald's sells hamburgers, right? We used to buy software in a shrink-wrapped box on Fry's shelf, right? So we buy the box of CDs. So we're buying a physical good. Um, nowadays, when we go to SaaS especially, but when we go to subscriptions, we get to choose what is it that we're going to charge for. And it's a really important decision. Now, the, the sentence that you provided us, Ed, actually has to do with something I call the value metric instead of the pricing metric. And the value metric is how our buyers perceive value from our products. And to do that, um, I often with my clients, I often ask them to fill in the following blanks. Um, I love your company because our blank went from blank to blank. The first blank was a metric. The second two blanks were numbers, right? Because our productivity went from uh, 10 units an hour to 11 units an hour, right? Because our turnover went from 7% to 6%, right? So there's some metric there that our customers are using to say they love our product. Now the question becomes, what is it in our, the things that we're offering and able to measure and deliver to our customers, what is it there that is related or highly correlated with the value my customers get. Because once I can do that, then as my customer is receiving more and more value from my products, they end up paying me more and more money because that's the way the pricing metric structure. I love that. That's a direct tie-in to a lot of the work that I've done with a lot of uh, folks around the value conversation and, and using Mahan Khalsa's five golden questions because he talks about, you know, what is the, what is it, what, what is it now? What is the value of the difference? What do you want it to be over time? And that's exactly in alignment with that conversation about trying to get there. And so your your suggestion is that a a uh, someone who's a seller try to go through that exercise first on their own to try to understand what it is. That, that they believe their customers are doing. Have you done work where the customers actually just tell you, this is, this is what it is, this is why we're, we're working with your product? 
Yeah, customers don't really know the answer to that question very often. Mm. Um, and and what you were talking about with the value conversation in Mahan Khalsa, if you can do that with a half dozen or a dozen customers, you start to get a really strong feeling for what is valuable in my marketplace. What is it that people truly care about? And you can use that anecdotally without even you know real hard uh, data for market research and start to structure a very powerful pricing metric. All right. Well, Mark, we are up against our break. I want to remind those of you who are listening that you can get a hold of Ron or me by sending that email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Of course, uh, we do publish show notes on thesoulofenterprise.com as well as previews to upcoming shows. Reminder about our Patreon page, patreon.com slash TSOE. Ron talked about that earlier, but our Patreon page is fully sponsored by by 90 Minds. Need a mind? Get one at 90minds.com. But right now, a word from our sponsors. Voice America is on your favorite smart speaker. If you have Alexa or Google Home, go ahead and give us a try. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast on TuneIn. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever listened to an online radio show that changed your life? I'm required to say that I have. Have you ever stopped listening to an online radio show because the commercials were mind-numbingly repetitive? Of course you haven't because you're here right now. Look, you don't have to listen to me anymore. There's a commercial-free version of this show, and it only costs $10 a month. And for $15 a month, you get no commercials plus bonus content. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE, subscribe now, and be free. You're worth it. This is the Voice America Influencers Channel. Be inspired. You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Welcome back, everybody. Here We're here with Mark Stiving and his book, Win keep, grow. And Mark, one thing that I have found with subscription is it forces you to talk about the outcome. And I started using the term, the ends rather than the means, you know, the customers pay for the ends, like they buy a hole, they don't buy a drill bit type of thing. And I ran across this company, SinSam, that revolutionized the optical industry by basically you subscribe, uh, and you get an eye exam every year. You'll, they'll update all your glasses. It's all inclusive, whatever you need. And they're selling perfect eyesight. And yet no other optical company has ever marketed it that way. And, and I guess the point is subscription forces you to think that way right out of the gate. And I don't think most companies think that way. 
So I hate disagreeing with you, Ron. Okay, good. <laughs> I, I think in most cases, what you just said is, is really accurate. Unfortunately, I also think that there's a lot of cases where I don't really care about the outcome, even if I'm in subscription. So I don't think it forces me to go to the outcome, but I think you get a huge advantage when you start to jump to the outcome. We'll go back to our Porsche example, right? Porsche doesn't really care what your outcome is. They care that you drive their car, right? They actually care that you pay the money, but you're ha they're happy. You are happy paying the money. Well, I guess what I'm thinking about it, since your lens is pricing, like ours tends to be, that if I communicate my value in terms of you're subscribing to Perfect Eyesight, I can command a higher willingness to pay, higher value perception than if I'm saying, oh, well, we give you an eye exam and we'll update, yeah. you know, four pairs of glasses. Yep, yeah, I think you're spot on. Um, oftentimes, I, I use what I call a value table and it fits what you're talking about really well. And a value table is, uh, there's four key columns in a value table. It's problem, solution, result, and value. The solution is your product. Everybody knows the solution. Everybody's really good at their own product and gets that really well. The question is, what was the problem that you solved? Why, why did you build it? What was the problem that resonates in the buyer's mind? And then if they have this problem, they buy your product, what's the result? What's the measurable result that you would expect to deliver to them? And then there's a question of, given that they get this result, what's the value to that customer because they achieve that result? And I think that result, you could call that outcomes if we wanted to, and it would be very similar to the same thing. And I think that's spot on. You know, it also makes me think, what do you think about subscribing to school? I mean, what we're really buying when we go to a college is, is knowledge, right? Or wisdom, hopefully. Uh, not schooling. I'd rather pay for knowledge. Do, do you see opportunities for schools to adopt subscription and, and make you pay over a lifetime? That's, that's one I have to think about for a second. Um, I can tell you that when I was in school, when I was in undergrad school, I was paying for a degree, not for education. When I was in my doctoral program, I was paying for education because I just loved learning. And I think later in life, it makes a lot of sense that if I want to pay to have a perpetual learning experience, that would make a ton of sense. Right. Okay, Mark, I'm going to pull some Abe Lincoln on you here. Uh -oh. um, one issue that comes up all the time as we discuss about, well, why is it either or? Why can't it be and? Why can't you have some of your customers on just value pricing and maybe more transactional or, you know, more scope of work driven? and then have some ARR, MRR, whatever, uh, and offer subscription. And I realize you can point to companies that do it. Apple's a great example. They sell, they sell hardware, but they also have a lot of subscription services, which I understand is about half their revenue. Certainly Disney has kind of a hybrid model. But my question is, can a house divided stand? Is this really possible for most small and medium-sized enterprises to have a dual business model? I think in smaller, medium-sized businesses, it's tougher to do a dual business model because you really want to commit to the, the customer satisfaction, uh, the customer success department. So how is it that I can make sure my customers are using my product? Um, but I have to say that if I'm going to transition from being a traditional business, a transactional-oriented business, to a subscription business, it doesn't bother me at all to say, let's try to phase that in as opposed to try to, to light switch it and say, we're going to do that overnight. And in that case, have, offering both is totally okay. 
you know, you do talk about that later on in the book where you, you talk about transitioning and you say your, your, your new customers are probably going to go for it and your existing customers will probably stay where they are. We asked John Warlow about this in his business and he said he tried to transition his old customers and they just weren't going for it. And he said, I was trying to have my cake and eat it too. And he doesn't think it, uh, a dual business model like this works in a lot of smaller type entities. Yeah, I'm, uh, it depends on the entity and everything that we're going to talk about is going to be very specific to the industry or the business. How are we going to set it up? I could see, you know, if I went to my direct care provider uh, physician, I could see how he could have a job uh, as a traditional, I'm going to file insurance policies, but at the same time, I'm going to go ahead and take 20, 50 clients as a subscription type client. And they could do that. It, it may not be the business model they want, but if they want to transition into it, it's probably easier than saying, look, I don't longer take insurance. Uh, I think I'll starve for a year while I build up a clientele. Right, right. No, I know. This is a tough issue. I mean, it, it comes down to you got to make a choice. A brand can only stand for one thing. It's, it, I just think it's really hard to, diverse, to diversify like that and try and be all things to all people. Yeah, but the question is, does the subscription have to be what the brand is about? I think in today's world in physicians, that's the case, right? If you're going to be a, a subscribing physician, then yes, absolutely. But think about cars for a second. Um, we've had leases and, and loans and cash payments for cars forever, and that's just a payment structure. There isn't a, a horrible thing about saying, look, I do multiple of these, and you could add subscription into that, even though I would slap myself for saying, subscription is a payment structure, um, but you could still think of it as an alternative to another type of buying my product and not necessarily my brand. Right. See, I kind of think of it the opposite way. I think the value is tied up partly in your brand, your strategy and your positioning, but uh, that, that, that's a rabbit's hole. We could go down for a long time. You, you know, you have many impactful insights throughout the book, which I found really neat. And one of them was your new subscription product must be better than your traditional product for your buyers. Why? Why is that? Uh, because we, uh, we hinted at this earlier today, and that is that before I didn't really care if my buyers used my product, if they stayed, um, if they loved it or not. What I really cared about is they didn't complain too much and they didn't give me bad reviews. But nowadays I care if they use it, if they love it. I need them to keep buying it from me and by the way, I want them to buy more from me. I want them to upgrade to another package. So without a doubt that the subscription products are better than any traditional product that's out there. And I mean, look at what Netflix did by kicking off those people that, that weren't downloading. They were paying. And in the old days, I could see a company saying, that's great. They never use our stuff and we get paid every month. But they didn't want that. Right, right. Uh, now that's... Do you know why they did that? I actually don't. And I'm asking you. They did it because they don't want people paying for their product and they're not using it. They're not getting the benefit of it. I think there's actually a press release on this when they did it. And it was hundreds of thousands, right, Ed? It was a significant number of people, subscribers. Right. I, I could see that. Um, I often coach companies, if you're going to raise your prices, uh, to raise them in a phased manner. And so I want to raise prices on the people who use my product the most first, because I'm pretty sure they're not going to leave me, 
right? They get the most value from my product. Sure. And if I, let's just break it into 20% quintiles for a second. I raise prices on the top 20%. Nobody leaves. I raise prices on the next 20%. A few people leave. You know, I get to the middle 20% and maybe I'm starting to get a decent amount of churn because of that. Well, then I'm going to stop raising prices on people. So my attitude, and maybe that's because I'm a, um, a business person first, my attitude is if people are going to pay me, I'm going to accept their checks. Right, right. Yeah, no, it's a it's a real interesting thing. I think it's it's is a it's as counterintuitive as these companies are making it so easy for you to cancel. Right. Yes. In, in the old days, you couldn't even get somebody on the phone, uh, but now every touch point has a big cancel button on it. I mean, and the more you do that, the less likely they are to cancel. And yeah, the e- th- go ahead. No, oh, I was just going to say the easier it is to cancel, the more likely it is that I'm going to re-sign up later. If I had to struggle to figure out how to cancel my subscription with you, I'm never coming back. Right, right. You know, Ed's probably going to get go here too, but I want to go here because you, you brought up something that I just love, you know, this idea of, you know, we get, well, what about that one-off massive project, you know, software installation or whatever. And you say, if there is a huge product, there's project, there's three ways to deal with it. You could certainly have an implementation fee right out of the gate. You could have a longer contract period. And you discussed a little bit with Ed, but you also say, you can trust your process. If you're confident in what you do, then you're going to keep them. And in fact, you're adding so much value up front, you're probably going to keep them for much longer building that lifetime value. And I just love that. But that's a tough sell for a lot of companies, isn't it? Especially to CFOs. Right. Uh, CFOs have a very hard time with the idea that we might lose money on a customer. And the way I often think about that, uh, as, I, as I talk to people that are financial uh, based, is think about insurance companies for a second. Right. Insurance companies, by definition, make money on most customers and lose money on a few customers. Okay. So got it. We lost money on a few customers, but we still made money. And that's the way we want to think is if we understand the lifetime value of our customer, if we're truly finding the right customers uh, to, to sell to, then we know we're adding value and we're going we're gonna to keep them and they're going to pay us a lot more than it costs us to do the implementation or whatever that happens, whatever we happen to spend up front. Right. And that brings in the whole, you know, blame the cost accountants for this, for looking at that math of the moment rather than comparing things to customer lifetime value. Right, that's what we should be comparing everything to, and yet, cost accountants, CFOs are just so math of the moment that they're missing the bigger number. Yeah, in subscription, if you are not calculating customer lifetime value, you can't run your financials. Right. Um, the other thing is, you know, we had a big discussion I don't know a week ago or so about uh, customer success and customer success department as opposed to the customer support uh, and. Do you kind of agree with the customer success people who they, they go out and they do business quarterly reviews? Now, those could be quarterly, they could be monthly, depending you know, the cadence depends, but uh, to kind of come up with a game plan or say like your doctor could meet with you once a quarter to come up with a health plan and, and, and make sure that you're u- utilizing the product to its most effective way so you can get the most value from it. I think that makes sense. Uh, I think that's it. Get that deserves the traditional consultant answer. It depends. I think in a lot of cases that does make sense. So if I'm going to be professional services and my doctor sitting down with me once a year, twice a year to have those conversations makes a ton of sense. 
if we're talking about the accounting world, I could see how that would make sense. Um, if I'm selling software and I have a bunch of people paying me $10 a month, that doesn't make sense. Right? In, in the $10 a month world or $100 a month, I'm probably instead watching their usage and cloud-based usage and, and seeing what they're doing, if they're doing it well, not doing it well, providing them hints on how to get better and what to do to get more value from my product. But yeah, I think the, in certain circumstances, that makes a lot of sense. Right. It's, a, it's another feature of subscription. I really like that idea of customer success. I'm, I'm not thrilled with that vocabulary or that language, but I, but I love the concept behind it because it's kind of like the value conversation. We're really looking to transform the customer. Yes, absolutely. Well, Mark, this has been great. Unfortunately, we're up against our next break. And folks, contact Ed or me. Send us an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Go out and rate us at Apple Podcasts, or uh, you can go also go to rate this podcast slash TSOE and give us a rating. We'll, we will read it on the air. And now we want to hear from Ed's employer, Sage. Follow us on Twitter at VoiceAmericaTRN. Get the lowdown on guests, new shows, and your favorites. That's VoiceAmericaTRN. Sage provides accountants with compliance, reporting, and analytic solutions to do more for their clients. These solutions include education programs such as the Sage Accountants Network Client Advisory Service Program. This program delivers the tools to create, package, price, market, and deliver additional services to clients, increasing your profitability and delivering more value to your clients. Let Sage help you grow your business by visiting sageaccountantsnetwork.com. Have you ever been so annoyed by a commercial for a $5 ebook that you were willing to pay $10 to never hear it again? I sure have. Hello, I'm Greg Kite. Over the last several years, you've come to hate me, and I hate me too. By now, you know that for $5, you can get a copy of Ron and Ed's book. What you might not know is for twice that much every month for forever, you can stop hearing Hearing me plug Ron and Ed's book, which totally makes sense, like the Diamond Water Paradox. Go to patreon.com slash TSOE and subscribe today. Please, for the love of God, make it stop! You are tuned into The Soul of Enterprise with Ron Baker and Ed Klass. To find out more about our show, visit us on the web at thesoulofenterprise.com. You can also chat with us on Twitter using hashtag AskTSOE. Now, back to The Soul of Enterprise. Well, welcome back to the fastest hour of everybody's week, including our guest today who's mentioning on the break that it's just flying by. And that's a usual bingo card expression that we have on the on the soul of enterprise. So glad to see that Mark is enjoying himself. Mark, I wanted to, to dive a little bit deeper with you on a topic that you talked with Ron about, and that is transitioning customers. You break it down into two major categories, carrots and sticks. Well, first, first of all, off off the shoot. In your the work that you're doing, are you finding the carrots working better than the sticks, vice versa, or is it consulting? It depends. Um, so it depends. It transitions. What typically happens is you start with carrots and you get a bunch of people to move, and there's always some people who don't want to move, and so then the sticks come out. 
<laughs> so feed them, then beat them is really what exactly. you're saying. <laughs> okay. Well, let, let's talk about some of those carrots. carrots. So the, the, the ones that you have listed in the book are more problem solved, more benefits in the cloud, workarounds, and hold on, hold your pricing. Talk a little bit about each of those in turn. Yeah. So uh, the first one was more problem solved. And the key here is, especially if we're going to go to a cloud-based software application, but typically almost anytime we transition to a subscription, we're doing more for our customers. We've thought about what are the true benefits that they're after. And so we're able to solve more problems for our customers than uh, the traditional product that they had in the past. And so from that perspective, we, we absolutely want, uh, we should be pushing all of these new things we do. Uh, what was the second one, Ed? Next, more benefits in the cloud. More benefits in the cloud. Uh, so this is a big one. It, this is specifically to software, of course. Once you decide that you're going to go to subscription and move everything to the cloud and you're watching, your IT department or your customer's IT department knows that it's really expensive to buy and maintain servers and, and make sure that we've got them secure and, and good access control in them, uh, keep them upgra upgraded. It is really hard to manage a set of servers. So if we're going to do all this in the cloud, we have taken on all that responsibility from your IT department. I know a lot of companies who are saying, look, we only want to buy cloud-based software because we don't want to do all that maintenance ourselves. Uh, so that's a huge advantage that we're delivering just because we went to cloud. Number three was what? Workarounds. Oh, so in the world of software, especially if it's an enterprise level software, odds are really good that you took your traditional product, whatever it was, and then over the last 10 years or however long it has been since you bought it, you've put in workarounds. So you've you said, oh, the software does this, so I need to do something over here in order to make it feed into that. You haven't updated it. You haven't made it work with uh, current business processes, best practices now. If you were to go with the new package, the new cloud-based subscription, then odds are really good. We have a chance to get rid of all these workarounds that we put in. We can rebuild our business processes and make it so that everything is much more efficient once again which is really what we want to do. And then ideally, if we're in a uh, best of breed type package, they're going to know and upgrade and keep making that package better and better to stay with industry standards or, or best practices so that we don't have to build those workarounds in the future. And the last one, Mark, is hold your pricing. Hold your pricing. I, I only put that one in because it seems like salespeople want to do something that I'll say is the wrong thing. And that is, we sold a million dollar package. Uh, we get a 20% maintenance fee per year. So that's $200,000 per year. So, so we go into the client and we say, well, I tell you what, you already bought it. So what we'll do is we'll just sell you the subscription for 200,000 a year, which is what you were paying in maintenance, right? And I think that's a big mistake because we're delivering so much more value to the client than we did before. In truth, what we should do and this is probably true with every sales situation, not just this one, but what we really need to do is go in and talk about the value of the new solution. Never mention price. And especially don't bring up the price of the maintenance that they were paying in the past. Just talk about the value of the product. And then when it's time to present the price, present the price with confidence, the way we always present prices. And the maintenance price that they used to pay should be totally irrelevant to this conversation because they're about to buy into a brand new solution. 
Great stuff. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about sticks, but I just want to make a point here, Mark. You know, you, you've been you said a couple of times on the show that, that, hey, this is this is related to software. I think there are analogs to lots and lots of industries that where you can use these these same basic techniques and just with a little creativity, apply them you know, to, to those industries as well. And I think that 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 might be one of the key for those uh, who are listening who are not selling software out there. Yeah. So, so first off, let me agree 100 percent. Yeah, uh, I, I try to say this is about software when it's something like cloud, because cloud really is a software issue, right? We're moving from an on-premises system to a cloud-based uh, server solution. But uh, absolutely, almost everything we write in this book and talk about in subscription applies to non-software applications. Yeah. And well, and even that, it, you, you substitute the word innovate, right, around, around, around cloud, and you probably can come up with something and use, some, use, use something in that category. All right, so we have about two minutes left. I want to talk about sticks. So the three sticks are no new features, raise prices, and of course, the dreaded discontinuance. Discontinuance, yes. Uh, so no <laughs> new features is a no-brainer. What you've now got is you've got two different products. You've got a subscription product and you have a traditional transaction-oriented product. What we need to be doing is spending all of our development resources on upgrading the subscription product and and ignoring the traditional transaction-oriented product. Uh, We can do bug fixes or minor tweaks if something's broken, but we're not adding new capabilities to the traditional product. And what that means is if, some, if a customer wants the new capabilities and wants to stay up with what's current, they're going to switch to the subscription. So that makes all the sense in the world. Uh, the second one was raise prices. And I dearly love this one. Anytime we want to get people off of a product, uh, this is actually free money. If you want people to stop buying a product from you, just raise the price, right? And, and my favorite, they're going to ask you, well, why did you raise prices? And the answer has to be, well, our costs went up. Right? There's so few people that are uh, using that product anymore. It takes us more to support it. It's an old technology. Our costs are going up. We'd love it if you'd switch to this new product over here, but, uh, but we want to keep it alive just for you. And so we're going we're gonna to raise your price for you. That actually happened to me this week with my internet subscription. I was uh, for the the internet service that I was paying is was internet seventy five, and they wanted me to go up to uh, internet one hundred. It was eight dollars a month cheaper and faster. I'm like, excuse me, right? <laughs> okay, if you insist. But they were also changing the underlying technology, which made a big difference. And of course, lastly, Mark, discontinuance. Got about a minute left. Well, discontinuance is the easy one, and that's where we just discontinue the product. Once we discontinue it, discontinue support, uh, they'll end up moving off of it. Uh, do you remember when Microsoft stopped supporting, what was it, XT, something like that? They just said, look, we're not going to support XT anymore. Then, you know, that was discontinuance of the product, essentially. Yep. XP, by the way. Oh, XP. I, I have I have the scars from remembering all that stuff. So yeah, that's okay. But Mark, thanks so much. This has been great to having you on. We got to get you back on a third time. Maybe when the book comes out in hard copy, we'll do that. But uh, Ron, what do we got coming up next week? Ed, we're going to tackle a tough topic: woke capitalism. Oh boy, that'll be yeah, fun. That'll all be right. Fun. Well, I'll see you in 167 hours. This has been the soul of enterprise, business, and the knowledge economy, sponsored by SAGE, transforming the way people think and work so their organizations can thrive. Join us next week, folks, on Friday at noon Pacific time. In the meantime, check us out at soulofenterprise.com, and we will post full show notes with our uh, 
interview today with Mark Stiving. And also send me or Ed an email to asktsoe at verisage.com. Thanks for listening, folks. Have a great weekend.